0: Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. All right, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Hey, I want to do something different this morning. Uh, If you've been here at the Vineyard for the past uh, five weeks, you know that we've been working our way through a couple chapters in Revelation. Uh, We've been looking at the seven letters that Jesus dictates to seven churches in Revelation. And I just want to tell you we're not going to do that today. So I spent all week prepping a message and I canned it this morning and I just have something else I want to talk to you about. Can I? Is that okay? So this is either going to be okay or really not okay. And there's kind of no in between, if, if, that's, if that's an all right thing. So do I have your permission to just say things that are rather unprepared? Okay, good. Um, Okay, so I was just, I was mowing my grass yesterday, you know, like I'm done with all of my pastor stuff, and um, I finished prepping that revelation message or whatever, and it was actually a pretty good message, I think. I think we'll get to it next week. Um, but while I'm mowing, mowing the grass, um, you know, I put the little, the headphone things on just so the, the, the mower is not quite so deafening, and I just, you know, I'm just driving and I, mowing's kind of nice sometimes when it's not 150,000 degrees because you can just kind of go somewhere else. And while I was mowing, this little scripture dropped into my heart and I couldn't make it go away. You know what I mean? And I thought, man, that's just really interesting. I haven't thought about this in forever. And then I woke up again this morning and it's just, it was rolling around. And I thought, you know what? This might be the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to share a scripture with you and just a couple very, very random thoughts, if that's all right. Okay, but before we get to the scripture this morning, uh, I just want to talk to you for a second about the love of God. Um, The first thing I want to say about the love of God is... All right, God's hope for your life is not that you would know facts about him. Okay, so the point of whatever it is we're doing here, you know... Uh, church or um, being a Christian, the point of, uh, of all of this is not that you would gain more information about God. Um, the point is not that you would become a scholar, you know? And by the way, I believe in scholarship. I believe in scholars. They're a gift to the church. But the point is not that, that you would become a scholar. Like God's dream is not that his family would turn into a school. And um, it's, it's just something very, very different. Uh, God's dream is that you would actually know him. Here's the crazy thing. God's dream is that you would know him in the way that he already knows you. You know, and, um, and so that's the basis and the foundation of the love of God. Uh, the basis and the foundation of the love of God is that, is that you would know him and that he would, he would know you. Uh, there's even this very peculiar passage in uh, Matthew chapter 7. It's at, the end of, it's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where it's kind of a judgment word from Jesus. And uh, Jesus says to some guys who had done all the right stuff but had never known him, uh, he says, well, uh, why don't you get away from me because I don't know you. Right? Uh, which is to say, this knowing God thing is so much more important than what you do. And, and what you know about him. Like actually having an, a relationship in the way that, that people are able to know one another. Like that's the point of everything. And so that's the foundation of God's love. And, and then beyond that, like the love of God is the essence of his being. Like uh, God is uh, at the very core of his personhood. Uh, he is love. He is love personified you, you couldn't extract anything from him other than love and, and you know depending on the tradition that you grew up in, you probably learned a lot of stuff about you probably learned a lot of stuff about God. Uh, you learned all kinds of things about his attributes and, and all of these things that we learned about his attributes they're actually true, but it, for the most part it just goes back into the information side of things you know you, you, know, you, you can click down the list you know uh, God is. Uh, all powerful, and, and God is uh, wisdom, and, and God is, you know, justice, and, and God is a judge. You know, you, you learn the list of all these things that God is. But even when we get to any of his divine attributes, uh, none of his divine attributes actually trump his love. And so, whatever his divine attributes are, they're all merely expressions of his love. And so, even when we get down to things, that sound harsh to us, like the judgment of God. You have to understand that the judgment of God is just simply another expression of His love. And so because it is an expression of His love, we should actually welcome it in our life. You know, one of the things that, that is a very brave prayer to pray, but one of the prayers that we could pray, and it would actually maybe be a really great thing, is, God, would you, would, you, would you look upon my life and give me your judgments? Why? Because it would actually be the most loving thing for Him to do. And all I'm trying to say is that... Uh, Judgment never trumps His love. Uh, and wisdom never trumps His love. And God's power is never trumped by anything other than His love. Like, it, 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 never, it never works that way. Who He is, is is a loving person. And because He's not just a person uh, who has love, but because He is love, and that's really different, you know? Um, love is not a possession when it comes to God. God doesn't have love. He is love. And because he, it's not a possession... And because it's the essence of his being, well, he's an overflowing fountain of love. And that's what we were singing this morning, even. All my fountains are in you, you know. Whatever it is I am, it it just flows out of you. And so, um, God is really, really (laughs) generous. And this kind of works us up to the little spot I wanted to land this morning. I I just want to read you a few verses out of the book of, Romans chapter 8. This is the stuff that was in my heart last night. Paul says this. He's already said a bunch of stuff. But then he says this. Well, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? And since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us, Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that just sort of preaches itself. God is a really generous person and he is most generous in his love and the thing that I just had rolling around in my head last night is verse 32 where Paul says since he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us won't he give us everything else? Yeah. Well, I guess the first thing we need to ask ourselves is this as it relates to verse 32. Who did he not spare his son from? That's kind of an important question. Who did God not spare his own son from? Really, really big question. Um, Some of us in the room grew up in a tradition that said, well, God did not spare his own son from himself. Uh, Meaning that God basically sacrificed Jesus in order to take a blood payment and make you acceptable to himself. That'd be one way of reading it. It's pretty harsh. And some of you in this room are very familiar with that idea. And I would say, I can see that. But I would also say that when you get down to the bottom of that idea, that's a scary idea. So who did God not spare his own son from? I would say that God did not spare his own son from us. I would say this. I would say that in God's generosity, he gave us his son Jesus. And Jesus shows up in the world as a mirror to the world. As both... uh, A mirror of what the world really, really is and as the hope for what the world could be, you know? And when the mirror for what the world really is and the hope for what the world could be showed up, when perfect love showed up, what did humanity do to perfect love? Well, we killed it. Isn't that amazing? Like when love actually comes to town, we hang them on a tree. Like that's the story. And God even knew that would happen, and, he, and even though uh, it's a heck of a way to to begin to tell the story back to, to people in order to win them back, he, he, he doesn't spare Jesus from that. He goes ahead and he, and he gives Jesus, and Jesus shows up, and man, when God's perfect son shows up, we, we, we couldn't see it for what it was, that's what John says, and John chapter 1, and we were totally blinded, and, and we killed him. But the story doesn't stop there. And this is the good news, and this is actually the gospel part, that when perfection shows up, and when perfect love came to town, and when, when we killed him, after all of that, God says no and raises Jesus up and says, you know what, humanity's decision wasn't the last decision. Like, I get, I get to overturn bad decisions, you know, and this is why, because, because God just loves people so much, you know, you could be the biggest fool, you know, you could, you could get the best gift and you could, you could foolishly spend it or you could reject it and God will say, you know what, your foolishness is not the last decision and so God raises Jesus from the dead. Love showed up in person and we killed him. And God says, You know what? As scandalous as that is, it's not the most scandalous thing. It's that I will not let that be the final decision. And Paul goes on to say that if he gave up his son, won't he also give us everything else? You know? If God is willing to give us that, won't he also give us everything else? And this is the thing that I've been stewing on for about 18 hours. What is everything else? What is everything else? Or what is all things? Maybe that's your translation. You know, sometimes I think we read this little verse and we read it with American eyes. Right? Like, how many, how many of you read that and go, since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us, won't he give us everything else? And you're thinking... <laughs> You're like, I think, I think I finally found the lottery in the Bible, right? Like, that's it. We're gonna, this is it. We should begin to pray over the numbers, you know? Oh, God, should I play my birthday? You know, I, I don't know. Like, what is it? I, I think a lot of times we look at this with very modern American eyes and we go, you know, God has given us Jesus and he wants us to have a nicer car you know and so god i just i ask you even now god would you would you release mercedes over us right now we we break the power of volkswagen and we release mercedes in the atmosphere you know how many of you know that if you read the verse like that If you read the verse like that, if if that's the first place that we go to, and by the way, I'm admitting it, that I can go there as well. But how many of you know that if you read the verse like that, and it's the first place you go to, that it could be evidence that we've bowed down to something else? like you know if that's the hope in the heart you know it's like wow you know what everything else it's got to be a bigger house it it's got to be right it's like this is it i know it it's a mercedes it's a bigger house it's better vacation it's more vacations it's more money in the bank and it's like it's like a carefree life it's like a nicer it's a it's going it's a better it's like your life but more you know and you could you could even maybe you could even make a case for that except paul ruins it in verse 35 and says does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble and calamity and are persecuted? Crap, why does he do that? You know? Why can't you not talk about that? So, so if if the everything else is not a bigger house, a nicer car, more vacations and a more exotic destination with more money in the bank, and if it isn't if it isn't even like a, a more carefree or easy life, right well then what is everything like because it sounds like it's nothing else (laughs) i was on the mower last night and i was thinking everything else this sounds like nothing else yeah context right what is the everything else Context. Can I give you an incomplete list of everything else? This is a highly, highly incomplete list of everything else. But it's all around that verse. He will also silence accusation. Verse 33. Who dares accuse us if God has chosen us for his own? How would you like to have the voice of the accuser forever turned off in your brain? This is part of the everything else. Uh, No condemnation, verse 34. Who will condemn us? If God has chosen us in Christ Jesus, who can condemn us? Well, let me frame it another way based upon the way that Paul has set it up in verse 32. If God did not spare His Son, if God sends His Son and the very people that He sends them to kill Him, and if God raises His Son up, if Jesus on the cross says to the very people who are killing Him, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. If God is willing to play ball with those kinds of people and not let their decision be the final decision, then who can condemn them, right? If God will not condemn us, and we do that to perfect love, then how can we ever be condemned? Right? Think about everything that you've done. Like, in this room, in this room we've got everything, okay? Let's just own our stuff here for a minute. Everything is in this room. we got liars in this room. We've got cheaters in this room. Uh, we have got people in this room who have addiction problems. Uh, we have people in this room who have said unkind words to very dear and loving people. Uh, we probably have room in this pe- in, uh, we probably have people in this room who are addicted to internet pornography. We probably have room in this uh, people in this room who have cheated on their spouses we've probably got room uh, people in this room who have done everything right and and and, and if God has looked at us. Uh, Even though humanity has killed his own son and he will not let that decision be the final verdict, what can you do, huh? And so, what is the everything else? The everything else is even though you're a liar and even though you're a cheater and even though you uh, committed adultery and even though you're addicted to internet pornography and even though you got drunk and even though you've said unkind words and even though you have not reflected the character of Christ, God will not hold it against you because he wants to know you. This is the gospel. Uh, But there's more, right? Uh, Everything else. Uh, Confirmation into the likeness of his son. Verse 29. I don't have a slide for that. I can read it to you though, right? Because I brought a Bible. (laughs) For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. He predestined that they would be conformed to the image of his son. That's everything else. What is the everything else? It's everything else that's in chapter 8. The really famous verse in chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You guys know that verse? God works what? Everything to the good of those who love Him. Right? How many people in here have some crap going on in their life? Listen. Listen. If you're in relationship with God, and not just like in the ideal world, but like in the heart world, God's going to work everything out to the good. That's the everything else. Verse 26. Holy Spirit, help in our weakness. Paul says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit will show us how to pray. This is a part of the everything else that you can get. Verse 23. Future glory and new bodies. Like, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds great. And we believers, we also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. I don't know, I have no idea what that means, but it's the everything else, it's the all things. New creation, verse 22. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. God is gonna like do something. And He's not gonna get rid of this creation, He's gonna renew it. Like He's gonna make the earth work the way the earth was always supposed to work, you know? There's gonna be flowers everywhere. Uh, uh, the, the greens are gonna be greener and the blues are gonna be bluer. That's part of what it means, you know? And and it's gonna be seventy seven degrees. New creation. Uh, Verse 18. Release release from suffering. Paul says in chapter 8, verse 18, that yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us later. Like some of us in this room are like suffering. And it's not little S suffering, but it's capital S suffering. Like you, you have pain in your life, and it's not even the pain that you invited in your life. It was the pain that was just thrown onto your life. That's part of what it means to be a person. You know, not everything that you get is what you sowed. It's just like in the world. And God has promised us that he'll deliver us from suffering, so much so that when the new creation comes, it won't even be worth mentioning. You know? It won't even be worth mentioning. There is goodness coming that will totally eclipse all the pain, all the suffering, and all the trauma, and all the trouble. Verse 15, freedom from fear and slavery. Verse 16, adoption into God's house. But not only adoption into God's house, verse 17, heirs to the kingdom. Verse 12, freedom from our sinful nature. Verse 11, the life of the Spirit. Like we could just keep going, right? What does God want to give us? He wants to give us all of these things. I think that's what God wants to do today. I think God wants to begin to apply all things into our life. I would actually encourage you, maybe today or sometime this week, read Romans chapter 8, take a slow walk through it, and notice that every good thing that is mentioned, it is what God is intending on giving you. He will not have it any other way. He will not give up until everything wrong has been made right. He will not give it up until you have been conformed to the image of His Son. He will not give up until you really, really know that you are not condemned. He will not give up until the voice of the accuser has been turned off in your life. He will not give up. This is who God is. Uh, Here's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, We're going to sing our way out. Is that okay? just feels like we should sing, so if we can have the guys come on up and the gal. I think there's only one gal this morning. Yeah. And why don't everybody else stand up? Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.